0: Welcome to MatchCast. I'm Brian Davidson. Chris Madden. What's going on, Chris?
1: Uh, not much. All good. Same as last time.
0: All right. And we are here to talk today a little bit about analytics with you guys. One of our favorite topics. So we're going to start off, obviously, with Google Analytics. If you haven't heard of Google Analytics, I'd be shocked that you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Google Analytics still remains kind of the one-on-one for analytics, and every site needs to have Google Analytics on it.
1: Yeah, so it it is the most basic have-to-have for any modern business that has any sort of web presence, which is, which is most. And then having Google Analytics on your site is one thing. Taking the first step to making sure a couple of the basic things are set up is, is a different issue. We spend so much of our day in Google Analytics. We, we love it. It's, it's great for many, many reasons. Uh, that said, there's a couple of shortcomings that we certainly are analytics work extends far beyond Google Analytics and we'll get into reasons why and and actually some steps that Google may be taking to try to change that. They have a veritable monopoly on web analytics at least in the west and the US and this more advanced analytics that that we get into sometimes with some clients uh, they're now trying to move into.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit at the end. But starting off with just Google Analytics and some of the more advanced things you can be doing with Google Analytics uh, that you know a lot of people, quite frankly, don't take advantage of. From their reporting, to their events, to their revenue tracking. There's many, many pieces to Google Analytics that are the right piece for different businesses. And you need to identify what's important to yours and deepen that implementation of Google Analytics to start.
1: Yeah, for, I mean, for example, some of the first things there that are key... Google Analytics capabilities is uh, segmenting your traffic to to your website based on if they are on desktop or mobile or tablet. I mean, that's something that five years ago, everybody was using Google Analytics and that was much less of an issue. Now it's probably one of the first things we look at when we get access to a new client's analytics is like, all right, let's see what's happening what's happening on mobile, what's happening on desktop, where is the traffic, where are the sales coming from if, if they are a business that does sell online. So there's a key report and a key capability that at least it will show you how the two different device types are behaving. Sure.
0: And one of the other things we do immediately is we start to look at their traffic and where it's coming from. The sources report and the medium report is so, so important for a business to understand where you're getting your traffic from and then most importantly, you want to make sure that your campaigns are also coming in, bringing the proper UTMs into your Google Analytics so you can sort out your different marketing spends.
1: Yeah, so there's this kind of back and forth between diving into Google Analytics, especially at the beginning and seeing what you can find, and then kind of jumping out of Google Analytics and thinking about your business and thinking about the things that are going on. You've got, you know, say, a firm running some social media marketing for you. And you want to be able to see that clearly if you're investing money in a firm to do that kind of work for you. You want to be able to look at your Google Analytics and say, aha, they're properly tagging all these posts. Therefore, when I see a click from this particular post from this firm that I paid, we can start to see
0: what we're getting back for that. If any of you had Google Analytics on your site for a long period of time, it's probably worth going back and taking a look at your implementation. Recently, spoke with a business that had three different sets of Google Analytics on their website, and it was causing their artificial uh, their bounce rate to be artificially low. The best way to implement Google Analytics now is through something called Google Tag Manager, which is very very easy and can eliminate a lot of the hassles that people were dealing with in the past. Yeah,
1: Google Tag Manager is amazing. Definitely deserves its own episode. Of you can spend a lot of time digging into uh, all the things you can do with Google Tag Manager, and they really help as a marketer and can help. Businesses run a little smoother and have less wasted resources between dev adding, you know, marketing tags and and marketing making requests and then waiting for a week or so before something simple can can get done. So Google Tag Manager, we met a guy in San Diego at uh, at a digital marketing conference that does only Google Tag Manager implementation. Yeah. Uh, so Google Tag Manager is great; it's a little more advanced. Yet, as Brian said, it does serve to simplify the source medium report. is awesome. The other thing that we often are looking into goals kind of goes without saying you mentioned revenue tracking that that happens when you have e-commerce analytics properly enabled and set up to pass your revenue from your website and the different transactions that are happening into google analytics so then you can tie that data to all the other things that analytics can do for you like mobile versus desktop source medium channel like brian mentioned the other thing we do go to a lot just because it helps to, kind of from a common sense point of view, understand what's going on. Again, is you look at behavior and then landing pages, or behavior then, or site content, basically shows you every single page, how much traffic went to every single page. And the landing page view is the same thing, but for the first page that a person saw on your website.
0: Uh, Let's talk about some of the underrated pieces of Google Analytics that you really like. For me, it's the navigation summary. Looking at a specific page and in the upper right clicking that navigation summary and seeing where they're most common to go to next. A lot of times people just look at their traffic report and they see their 10 most important pages. But what's just as important as that is seeing your most important pages. Where do people go next? Are they going the the page you want them to go to? Are you sequencing your website correctly?
1: Yeah, that's a great one. I like... um... Filtering and segmenting. So uh, there's all sorts of different ways you can cut the data depending on which report you're looking at. Segmenting happens up top where you can say, just show me paid traffic sources or just show me organic traffic or just show me people who came from mobile or just show me people who passed through a particular subdomain. Just show me people who converted. Just show me people who didn't convert. And you can look at any one of these reports just looking at that particular subset of your users that you created. Filters are kind of similar. It's usually when you're into a report, for instance, if, say, you have tons of different referrers that are all essentially Facebook, but there's a bunch of different URLs that are Facebook. So, you know, you could have M.Facebook, you could have L.Facebook, you might have UTMs on the back of certain Facebook links that are causing them to come in different ways. And so while you're looking at a certain report, you really would just want to see the Facebook traffic. So within the filtering capability and the kind of top right of your results, you would write Facebook, and then you would just see those results there. So
0: Lump everything together.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot there. It's really the first thing you need to have just to get a sense of what's going on from a data standpoint on your website. One thing that we find to be really important is when you first set up analytics for your own business or, say, in our case, we have a client who gives us their analytics access for the first time, we definitely dig in and just look at all these things just to see if anything jumps out at us and see what's happening. I find the tactic of just going into your analytics to see what's up to lose value pretty quickly. Sure, We are big believers in once you know the lay of the land in your analytics and you trust the data and you know it's set up reasonably well and you know what it all means and where to find everything, it's much more important to start to ask business questions or have business questions that kind of pop up in discussions or pop up when you're on the train or whatever the case might be. And then you say, aha, I can go and look at this report to get some sort of an answer on that question. Right, it's
0: really making your analytics work for you. We talk about a lot of advanced implementation And there's so many different things you can do with Google Analytics, whether it's goals or events or revenue reports or segments. There's so many different pieces to this. But the most important piece to begin with is the only reason it's there is to help your business grow and help you be more efficient, either growing or marketing spend or helping your web traffic help your business overall. So you really need to come into this with a question or a thought and use your analytics to help you deepen your understanding of that.
1: Right, because sometimes when you don't have a question or a thought or a business issue you're investigating and then you go to your analytics, sometimes you
0: find yourself staring at the numbers
1: and you're, it's overwhelming. Your eyes start to glaze over and cross and you're like, all right, I need to go off for a walk and not look at these numbers anymore.
0: I've been in meetings where fancy marketing execs come in and they just start listing number after number for their analytics and they're pointing to why they're a great person and they understand their data behind the website. And really, really quickly, the CEO's eyes gloss over, and he's wiped away uh, as yesterday's news. Whereas when you can come into a meeting and understand exactly one piece of important findings that your analytics has pointed out, you're going to look like a rock star.
1: Exactly. Yeah, one important takeaway, I'd think, is probably going to always be worth a lot more than, than a bunch of numbers that kind of all say slightly different things. And so we clearly love Google Analytics. Hopefully, you're getting that. Wanted to talk a bit about not necessarily shortcomings, but maybe some limitations of Google Analytics and what to do about them, and how, you know, in a fully mature business that has a mature analytics implementation and understanding, in a business that truly trusts and knows what its data is and is a data driven organization, you're going to have to go beyond Google Analytics. And so, one thing that's Key is that Google Analytics is session based. So,
0: what's, what's a session, Chris?
1: Session is anytime uh, somebody comes to your website. And so, a session would be I visit our website on my phone. And then another session would be I visit our website on a different device, my work desktop, in five minutes. And, the th-
0: and Google can't tell the difference, can it?
1: Google doesn't know the difference. It just knows session from this device, session from this device, session from this device. If I go back on my same browser on my desktop five times, Google will know that that's me because it's cookied my browser and no, it. it'll count me as a
0: returning visitor. But if you go on Firefox and then come on Chrome separate, separate sessions, or then come separate on user. Internet
1: Explorer. Yeah, separate user each time. So, so they're really tracking browsers.
0: And a lot of work computers and workstations in life will clear your cache every single night.
1: Right, they're tracking browsers that have cookies enabled. Exactly. So uh, so that's a shortcoming. As great as Google anal- Analytics is, for all the reasons that we, we've touched on already, uh, it's a shortcoming. And it's just really important to understand that. So when you do mention to the CEO this new finding that you came up with and uncovered and you're very excited about it, you know, someone's going to inevitably ask you some tougher questions about what the data actually means and you need to understand uh, what the limitations are so that you can... Uh, Present it properly and with the right amount of confidence.
0: All right. So the holy grail is we're moving from session based to people based. Great. How would you do that? Well, there's a lot of different programs out there. Uh, the two most commonly known right now are Mixpanel and Kissmetrics. Coming down the line, right now, Facebook has launched something called Atlas. Because Chris has Facebook enabled on his phone and Instagram on his phone and Facebook on his computer and WhatsApp on his tablet, Facebook starts to tie all their data together and market to actual people.
1: And that they can do that because it's the same Facebook account?
0: Because they're all sharing the same data from the install base, from their computer to the phone to the tablet. And they're tying all the marketing spend from Facebook ads back to a specific person. And then they use your website analytics to tie their Facebook spend to actual person marketing buying something on your website.
1: So do Mixpanel and KISS metrics, do I need to be on Facebook in order to use that? Or how does that relate to Facebook knowing who I am across devices?
0: Sure, Facebook is probably the easiest for someone to wrap their head around because a lot of people are probably the most people, it is the most downloaded app in the world, especially considering all the other properties of Instagram and WhatsApp, like I mentioned earlier. They're able to tie people together very, very easily. But Mixpanel and KISS do this from a data point of view. And they're also able to tie your tablet to your phone to your desktop all altogether to an actual website and website behavior through a much more data point of view.
1: And so the, what, are the, what would the benefits be of a people-based analytics versus a, say, a session-based analytics? Or what's the, what's the benefit to the business knowing uh, having some sort of analytics set up where the, the, the people are identifiable across devices and
0: across sessions? Sure. The most importantly, from a lot of businesses' point of view, is tying together their website behavior of how many times they have to visit a site before they actually make a purchase. For other businesses, it's more important to tie a marketing spend to that person across different devices. For other businesses, it's to understand the differences in buying behavior on mobile versus desktop. It really depends, again, on the business. Like we mentioned earlier, you need to be able to ask a business question. But really at the core of any business is just people buying things so you really need to understand who your customer is, what their pattern is, and eventually tie both your marketing and your revenue to that person. Interesting. So in, a, in an advanced
1: case or in a case of a business that prioritizes you know, this and being data-driven and it works well for their specific situation, in this hypothetical example, now you've got Google Analytics that's properly implemented. You've got Mixpanel or Kissmetrics or something similar that ties all this activity to specific people rather than web browsers and then almost every business in these in this sort of hypothetical example would have a backend they'd have their own first party data they
0: have they've got their own database or they've got their own CMS in the back end
1: yeah or they've got active admin if it's kind of a login based business or their Shopify being a loose example of a of an e-commerce business that has a backend that, that captures a lot of data so or even
0: sometimes wordpress has a lot of different plugins
1: sure so so the idea is now you've got three sources of data and if something really important is come up that you think you maybe have found an important clue as to why something's happening or what's going on and before you run into the ceo and tell him or her that you've found the meaning of life in the context of your business you can check it across all three of these areas now, like go into your first party date and say, does this make sense? Like, who is this person? What's their email address? Let's see if I can find them. And then you can go back into panel, kind of see what they've done, when they first signed up, how many times they purchased, whatever it is that you're looking at.
0: It also lets you kind of check your work as you deepen your implementations across different things. Let's say you're enabling revenue data for the first time within KISS Metrics. You can obviously then go to your revenue data within Google Analytics, do these line up, and you can go to your revenue data on your back end and say, do these line up. Great point. And once you can triangulate that, you can trust the different reporting features within each tool.
1: And then it becomes just a really great resource on a go-forward basis where you can always have confidence that something's correct or... If it's not, you have a way of checking
0: it. Sure. And, and, and Confid- it. confidence in your analytics is really important.
1: Right, right. Triangulation, one that we talk about a lot. Let's go to about the pod. We're going to do a giveaway every podcast. Uh, what are we giving away today, Brian, on this analytics episode?
0: Well, Chris is the MatchNode sales guru, and his favorite tool to date for matching his sales and. Uh, uh, pumping up on the match note sales, bringing clients in the door, is using Pipe Drive.
1: Yes, Pipe Drive. So, been using PipeDrive relatively recently. We're searching for the best way to, to deal with a pipeline. And pipedrive has been amazing. And as, once I discovered it, I started to notice a lot of other people who we like and respect also using it. So, uh, we will give you one free month of Pipe Drive.
0: Real quickly, what is PipeDrive? Drive?
1: Pipe Drive is a CRM. And it has a very kind of visually intuitive pipeline where you make up your own pipeline based on the different pieces in your sales pipeline, the different phases of your sales pipeline, and you drag leads and deals kind of from one phase of your sales pipeline to the next. And it really keeps you on track as far as when certain activities are planned for certain leads. It allows you to manage an entire team of salespeople where, you know, if you have 20 people on your sales team, you can kind of see who's doing what, who's got what deals at what phases in their pipeline and then shows you analytics, stats around, you know, how long people are in certain phases for your closed deals, what's the average sales cycle, all this great stuff. So in this analytics episode, it's definitely a CRM with really good sales pipeline analytics. So yeah, PipeDrive been one of our favorites recently. So if you ask us a question on Snapchat about this episode, our Snapchat is MatchNode, M A T C H N O D E. Ask us a question. We'll answer all the questions that come through and we will pick our favorite question and uh, give you one month of uh, Pipe Drive.
0: And on a quick aside, if you're saying, why are they doing this on Snapchat? That's because where your customers are going to be. They're all going to be on Snapchat. <laughs> I don't like Snapchat. I barely use it. I'm on Snapchat because our customers are on Snapchat.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love Snapchat. And uh, we will uh, another, this is like the fourth time we've said subject for another podcast. So uh, we'll talk about Snapchat another time. But we talk about it a lot. Some of us love it, some of us don't. But uh, certainly a, a huge platform, I think, on a go forward basis. So ask us the questions when. Pipe drive. You know what? Let's not make it one month. Let's say make it six months of pipe drive.
0: We're getting crazy here.
1: Six months of pipe drive.
0: Uh, well, we're going to wrap up our pod today with some of the important questions and reports that are going to come out of the people-based analytics that we just touched on earlier. Initially, we talked about the entire marketing spends and your revenue spends and internet behavior to this type of people things. But let's dive into some of the, the cool reports that we like to use and show to different companies.
1: One would be a cohort report. So cohort report breaks your activity. The most common cohorts are time-based cohorts. So basically you would look at, say, month by month or week by week. You could look back on, uh, say, your business launched on you know, January 1st, 2015, and you had everything, all this analytics implemented immediately on the day of your launch, which so many businesses do. And then you could uh, look back and say, for those people who signed up in January, how many of them are still with us? How many of them are retained? How many of them are still signing in? Six months out, eight months out, nine months out, 12 months out.
0: Your traffic in Google
1: Analytics might be
0: flat or it might even be growing. Because you've got some mix of, of returning and new visitors. But if you're not retaining those people, that's usually a red flag for a business.
1: In some ways, if you're not retaining people in certain businesses, then nothing else really matters. Absolutely. So a cohort report can, can be a great measure for retention. The so that's one that we that we love. We use very often. And then things like mixed panel and kiss metrics, you can take your cohort reports and segment by source or segment by property. So you can take um, only people who've bought more than two times and look at, you know, when those people bought for the first time. You could look at People who came in from a Facebook ad, or people who clicked on a Facebook ad at any point in their life cycle, you know, what are the chances that those cohorts, you know, monthly cohorts, are reordering? That's the sort of comparison you want to be able to do across channels. People who uh, come in organically may order less or more on a reorder basis. Meaning, you're trying to get people order two, three, and four times in this in this hypothetical example. Are those people who come in organically more or less likely to do that than than people who click on an ad? Interestingly, we did this for a client that uh, does a pretty large business in apparel, and once we got to the point where we had enough data for them, which you know takes in this case it took more than a year It was about a year and a half of data collection in this advanced people based analytics before we could really take things apart. We wanted to get through two Christmas seasons because they have a huge Christmas uh, spike. We found. We looked through all this. You know, it was like something like sixty or seventy percent of their sales were only organic. Meaning, the purchasers had never clicked on a paid link. They'd never clicked on an ad. They never clicked on a link that had a UTM on it. Meaning, there was some sort of manual setup in that link at some point of someone from the business expecting a person to click on that and then buy. What we found was pretty amazing. Those who were purely organic had only organic touch points. Repurchased way, way less than those who had clicked on an ad at some point, whether it's Facebook or Google or remarketing. And it was about 60 or 70% of the volume of the sales were purely organic. But of that that 60 or 70% of those only organic customers, they had like a like a 9% reorder rate. And and the business globally had like a 24% reorder rate. So we're like, oh huh, well, that's clearly less. And then we looked at the opposite group, meaning everybody else who had touched ads, and it was like, Hundred and fifty percent. I mean, it was crazy. It was it was just glaring. It's just one of those things that just jumps out. And you know, as an ad agency, it was good to see. And the client, I think, was a little surprised by it. But again, it's one of those things that we had confidence in it. Sure. Was right.
0: At the time, they were looking at pulling back on their ad spend a little bit, and they weren't sure if it was being totally effective. And this is one of those tools that told them they needed to keep the pedal to the metal.
1: Yeah. That is, uh, retention and cohort reports are highly linked and some of our favorite. What about customer journey analytics? Sure. Uh,
0: customer journey analytics and especially attribution and multi-touch attribution, uh, Chris kind of hit on a little bit in the last segment. And those are all possible. Kissmetrics and Mixpanel and Atlas and something we're going to talk about a little bit later called Google 360. The customer journey and how long it takes someone to purchase, how many different devices they're going to come to the site before they purchase how they come back to your site, trying to, trying to look at that customer journey and how much time they spend on, their, on your site, and identifying key events in that journey. Uh, may it be downloading a PDF or learning a little bit more to your website, clicking on, uh, say, a chat app on your website. So you can really identify that journey across multiple devices and understand that behavior with these sorts of tools.
1: And sometimes the different devices and the different channels that are driving the visit may fall at different places along the customer's consideration journey of whether or not they're going to buy, right? Like so it might be that a social touch point, like somebody's friend shares something on Facebook. The person may click that and it might be their first time they've ever heard of this company or heard of this solution. And they're at the very top of their funnel if you want to use that mental model. They're at the very top of the funnel and they haven't, they haven't even considered really purchasing yet, but their friends share and they're like, whoa, okay, cool. And then maybe five days later, they see it on the side of a bus or something, or they're somehow reminded of it, and they do a search for that particular business, or or maybe it's the concept, maybe they can't remember the exact name of the company, but they remember the idea or where it's located. They'll do a Google search, will be a brand search. It's like, from the business owner's point of view, it's like, oh, they're looking for my business, but they might not be able to connect it to the fact that the reason they're looking for your business or they know about it in the first place is because so they found it on Facebook when their friends shared it. And so now in the second visit, when they're, they they did a search for your brand and they find it, they, they get very serious about buying. And now they're deciding, should I buy this product from you or should I buy that product from you? And then um, two days later, they're like, you know what? Forget it. It's payday. I've got the money. I'm going to buy the thing. And they go right to the site. And you got this direct traffic, this piece of direct traffic that bought your thing on a Friday afternoon. And it's like, Oh, direct traffic, you know, I've got I, I got a sale today and it came from direct. Cool. So, if you're on Google Analytics, that might be all you get. But if you've got Mixpanel or Kiss metrics properly implemented, you're going to say, "Wait a minute, so at the top of the funnel, there was a social visit. Then as they moved down the funnel, there was a branded search visit that we paid for the click because we've got Edwards up on our brand. And then at the bottom of the funnel, there was a direct visit. And so that's a much different understanding and a much more nuanced understanding of what's going on than direct visits equal sales, which a lot of people just expect, oh, direct, I got sales from direct.
0: Yeah, they saw my billboard and came to my website.
1: Yeah, exactly. So Google has a great tool that we'll put in the resources on their Think with Google website, which we like. It's really awesome. They all have great great things on there. But it's a tool that basically, like, you pick your industry, whether it's e-commerce or travel or, you know, SaaS, and then you, when you pick your industry, it moves the different channels around on a buyer journey timeline. So, again, things like social are going to be up front. Things like direct are going to be, at the end, being very, very close to your... That's That's something we really... It's a mental model we use a lot is the path, the customer path to purchase and where these different channels lay out in that path.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, then wrapping up real quick, uh, like we mentioned today, uh, we really believe in tools like Mix and Kiss Metrics. The more advanced ones are probably uh, Atlas by Facebook that not everyone qualifies for at this point. What's up with Google 360? And that is the uh, red herring in the room right now. Uh, Chris and I are chomping at the bit to get access to Google 360. Google's listening to this, and they no doubt are, please give us a call. Uh, But Google 360 is their attempt to solve uh, a lot of the limitations uh, we talked about earlier with Google Analytics and their session-based marketing. Uh, So that's something coming down the pipe people can get really excited about. Uh, But it speaks really, I think, to the importance of this entire topic of why you need to get past session-based and really look at people analytics. All
1: right, well, thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Brian, for your help. Look forward to more podcasts coming with guests Please let us know if you like the podcast. If you don't like the podcast, what other topics you might be interested in that you think we might be able to help with or talk about.
0: We really want to make this something that that you like. So, and remember, if you are interested in getting some pipe drive, to boost your sales from a visual standpoint, please hit us up on Snapchat.
1: Yeah, pipe pipe drive calls itself CRM for small sales teams with big ambitions. So if that describes you, uh, hit us up on Snapchat with questions about this podcast. We'll pick our favorite, not one month, but six months of Pipe Drive. Thanks very much. See you.